Hello, everyone. Welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. What's that look for? Why, just that was a very smooth intro. I liked it. You're you're Ron and I'm Tom. Okay, let's get this party started. (laughs) (laughs) You okay there? I'm good. How you doing? That was a really that was a good intro. I was I liked it. Oh, well, your face was you were like wincing, like no, I was smiling. I was like, I was thinking to myself, it was really smooth. But I ruined it with my look up here, so I just can't look at you from now on when you do the intro, whether (laughs) I like it or not. Anyway, (laughs) any hoozle, let's move on. Hello, everybody. Hi. What are we talking about today? So today, I was thinking you had a really good idea with kit bashing. We could talk about that a little bit. So like, hey, your kit sucks? Well, no. I don't mean putting a kit down, you know, verbally. I'm talking about modifying a kit in some way, making it your own. Oh. Yeah, kit bashing. Very good idea to talk about there, Tommy. No, it was your idea to talk about. Actually, it. it wasn't even my idea. So... We got an email. This is it's it's funny how timing works on this stuff. So I have been working um, diligently, let's say. Yeah, you like that? Mm-hmm. I do like calendar. that. Um, on my Cavalier. Yes. It's ready to fly now. Awesome. Um, we've talked about it before, and I wanted to kind of get on to finishing it and getting it ready to go out and fly because I haven't maidened it yet, mm-hmm. even though it's been like six years in the making. So we... Whatever episode we talked about, we ended up getting an email from a friend of ours, well, friend of the show, Tony. Mm-hmm. Tony. And Tony said, I have recently found your podcast. Uh, as I'm going through the episodes, I have heard you refer to your Sig Cavalier with retracts. Mm-hmm. Do you have any pictures of how you installed your gear? Uh, which I do. Mm-hmm. And I will email those out <laughs> and actually post them. Probably post them on the forums too. Sure. That way we have all of this kind of stuff mm-hmm. together so we can we can look at them. Good idea. Uh, but he said, I've thought about kit bashing the still available Cavalier to create a pseudo SIG commander. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a kit I always wanted while growing up but was never able to get. Now it's unavailable unless I'm willing to spend way too much to buy one on eBay. Yeah. I'm hoping that your gear modification may mimic the commander's gear setup and I'm curious how well it worked. Um, it seems to have worked okay so far. Mm-hmm. I haven't flown it. Right. So that will be the final test. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's going to be good. So with him wanting to know about kit bashing and us kind of talking about building kits and what kits we had in the last episode and stuff. Yes. I think that would be a good thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. So what is kit bashing? Yeah. Well, so a lot of folks may not be familiar with the term. So Basically, like I said, it's it's taking a, a kit that was designed by a, a designer and not building it as per the manual or the or the plans. The directions, the instructions. Mo- yeah, modifying it in some way uh, that that was not designed into it. Like for instance, you know, the Cavalier was not designed for retracks, and you added retracks, or changing the shape of a tail. Maybe you know, it wasn't designed that way. You changed it for some reason. So that's what I call kit bashing. So do you have a a certain level of changes that have to be made in order to call it kit bashing. Because you're talking about if you change the shape of a tail. I, you know, we you're did modifying that. the kit uh-huh. to suit your preferences or needs. So any kind of change. Yeah, you I think would so. Can, okay. Yeah. Like when I hear kit bashing, I think like major modifications. Which that also falls into kit bashing. I don't yeah. think of like with the uh, trash can telemaster. We change the shape of the tail on it because I like the look of it better. It's a degree of kit bashing, I would see, say. I don't consider that. And besides that, that wasn't a kit. It wasn't it was a kit, an arf. but yeah. That's arf bashing. <laughs> which that's a <laughs> whole get, other thing. To get technical, yeah, um, which is a whole other level of mm-hmm. bashing. But anyway, so that's what I that's what I like, call yeah. I, I, anything that you've done to the to the kit, uh, you know, you pull a piece of wood out of the box and instead of gluing it together as per the manual, you change it in some way and then glue it together. That's what I would call. And that can be that can be a very wide range obviously like you touched on. It can be a wide range of modifications. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Cavalier a little so bit. So the then. Cavalier, yeah. Because in your words You did a fair amount of kit bashing on that. That is one. kit bashed. Is it that is. how you I would say yeah, it's a yeah, it was kit a bashed. Kit bashed yeah, airplane. you kit bashed it. So we've talked about the original Cavalier I had. Mm-hmm. That was the first nitro plane I ever bought. Spent 80 bucks on it, got it home, and the whole uh, 
uh, fuel system was broken. I had to repair it. Um, that was a lot of, of good learning experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I bought it, I was told it was ready to go, got it home, put fuel in it. I was still young. Like I said, it was my second airplane. Uh, fuel went everywhere. I was like, huh, is this supposed to happen? Like, is this how it's supposed to go? Or should the fuel not be coming out of the fuselage? <laughs> so the the thing with the, that Cavalier too, though, I don't know if you're familiar with them. The tank is built into the front of the airplane. There is no hatch. There is oh, no wow. access. There okay. is nothing. Right. Uh, so that is where I learned to fix my first airplane. Mm-hmm. When that one got messed up, we won't necessarily talk about how that happened and got no. rid of it. Don't need to. Oh, really? No. That's like an opening for you to... I know. To, I'm, hey, it's a new to year. To water bash me, It's I a guess. new year, and I'm not going to do those things anymore. You're just going to trailer that, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I'm not touching it. Um, you can you can try to <laughs> you can try to provoke me all you want. I'm not I'm not gonna provoke, take the bait. Provoke you to do what? To do what you want me to do. I'm all not right. gonna do it. Okay. Um, so anyway, when I got to this Cavalier, after that one got messed up, I decided I wanted another Cavalier. Mm-hmm. Um, the kits are still available. Like Tony said, you can still get them from Sig, mm-hmm. uh, and that's been a few years ago when I did this. Mm-hmm. Now. I always wanted a plane with retractable gear. When I started this build, (laughs) this is embarrassing. When I started this build, I had like five airplanes and none of them were retractable gear yet. Um, So I thought, why not build it the way I want to build it? Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about kit bashing. I didn't know anything about what I was doing at all. Um, And so it's, it's taken me several years to get it, to where it is now because mm-hmm. it you know you work on things for a it's little pretty bit slick. and then things get yeah. pushed off to the side and then you get back to it and finally make uh, some more progress well the thing is you learn a lot in those time periods of time too that is true and so, then you kind of go back and they and help f- yeah they fix, help go well, back and fix what you mm, did that's but, what i had to do but they help move the project along um but I so I wanted to finally get it to the point where I could fly it, and it was a simple like it was to the point where all I needed to do was check the center of gravity, balance it, and call it done. Like I had everything built for the the battery tray, all that kind of stuff. However, when I did the uh, CG check, mm-hmm. it turned out to balance it, I needed eleven ounces of weight in the nose. Ooh. Now that's a lot of weight that's just to have sitting up front for for, for not, no for no not reason. doing anything for you. Um, and since this airplane is nowhere near stock, I didn't know how it was going to end up without having the plan to follow exactly. Does that make sense? Yep. Like extra servos were in there, just built differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the problems with kit bashing is there's a lot that goes into figuring out what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, it's almost like you're your own engineer, almost. Well, you have to be. Depending on to the a, a level. To a certain extent. Yep. Exactly. Um, since it was electric, you know, that weighs different than the, the uh, uh, nitro. nitro motor. Mm-hmm. Um, you usually can find different batteries that'll fit in there and maybe get some more weight if you need. But I didn't want to buy a bigger battery either because I already had a 4S5200, which is big that's enough a, for that. That's a scary size battery. Yeah. <laughs> big enough to... Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I know what you're saying to go off and really do some damage. Mm -hmm. Um, and the first time when I had it put together, I used a plastic nose gear in it that was, I think, yeah, see, I think that was one of the things that turned me off of doing it for a while because I I got to the point where just it didn't work very well. Well, I got to the point where I could actually go outside and do taxi tests and stuff, and I could never get it to go straight. Like that gear was, it ended up actually the gear was broken, which I didn't realize. Um, the One of the plastic parts that was supposed to keep it straight had a crack in it, which you only saw when it was under stress. Under stress, yeah. Um, so I don't remember if you gave me or if I bought. I know I bought, but I know you gave me and I, maybe I lost one. I don't know what happened to it. Um, a new nose, nose gear, gear that's metal. Aluminum, yeah. And that made a big difference, mm-hmm. actually. In, yeah, that one's mine, by the way. Is it? Yeah. Then what is I'm that? still short one. Do you remember? Like, didn't I, I buy one? I thought you did, but who knows? Well, if I find it, it's not like I need one anytime soon. Well, if I soon, find anyway. it, I'll give it back to you. Okay. Because <laughs> I have no plans on doing another tricycle with okay. gear. Um, anyway, but sorry. anyway, so I got that 
taken off and I because of that I had to tear everything off like completely from the nose forward had to be redone mm. which you know is mm-hmm. also disheartening when you think you're finished with something mm-hmm. and you're not right uh the new gear while the bolts where it mounted went or you know were the same the actual push rod was nowhere near the same yeah. uh, same dimension same area yeah. the, the the push rod for the actuation right yeah, yeah. um and it was just a a pain really to do um so i ended up learning you know as as you said earlier as you go through things you learn more mm-hmm. i was able to actually get rid of a servo and run a single servo or single servo for the steering and the rudder mm-hmm. which beforehand i had two servos on there which that plane had way too many servos on it that i mean it was just a rat's nest of wire. I mean, like, really. So I was no, able I to get understand. in there and, yeah. and kind of get everything taken care of uh, and make it look a lot nicer. Um, however, like, when I first built it, we didn't have the laser cutter. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know about building hatches. I had never done one of those before. Uh, so when I cut the top off, like, where I was going to put the battery, I wanted to make a hatch since mm-hmm. I had everything off anyway. Mm-hmm. That took a lot of kind of, you know, figuring out to do. And I ended, <laughs> I ended up making three separate hatches until I got it done the way I really liked it. Mm-hmm. But it turned out pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, four magnets hold it on. It, it, you know, it's just, it looks nice compared to what I had on there before. But one of the one of the biggest things I learned, by the way, is with a laser cutter, there is a kerf. Oh, really? Like, Well, it does consume. I, yeah, I kind of figured that it would be a little bit, but I didn't realize like how much it was. So with the, the magnets I got, you know, I, I wanted them to be recessed in mm-hmm. to, the, to the hatch themselves. So the magnet actually measured, I think it was 235,000, it's like 0.235. So my original hatch, I cut at 0.230, figuring you know, 5,000 5, yeah. would, be, would be plenty. Um but it was so loose, like really, mm. that I I was I was concerned glue would not hold that in over time. Mm-hmm. Like there was no fit to it whatsoever. It was just floating around in there. So I ended up cutting a bunch of different holes at different sizes to figure out what I needed. Yeah, two hundred twenty thousandths is what I ended up cutting it at, um, and it was a nice tight fit, so the glue held it in. So I've now learned mm-hmm. I have a little bit of a curve that I have to deal with. Yep. Um, and the other thing with the laser, too, that I come to uh, to learn, it cuts in like a V. So the top is wider than the bottom. Okay. Hmm. Good to know. That is good to know. Yeah. Yep. Just things you learn. Gee whiz. Yep. Um, so anyway, so I got all that done. I'm actually happy with how the whole thing turned out. I ended up making a battery tray on the laser cutter and all that kind of stuff, too. I thought I would be kind of smooth and label the battery tray. So I put on there Sig Cavalier 4S 5,000 milliamp hour battery. Didn't realize until I had everything glued in, <laughs> I don't use a 5,000 milliamp hour battery. I use a 5,200. Well, like I said, you learn as you go. Learn as you go. I have a plane now that is absolutely incorrect with what Mislabeled. it says. Um, but that's okay. Plans for it. Say it should weigh in at five and a half to six pounds. Which I think you did pretty well on the weight, honestly. I do too. Yeah. I am. Considering the amount of work and what you've added to it. I'm oddly enough proud of myself. You should be. Six pounds, two and a half ounces. Yeah. And this is the part I'm very proud of myself for. Not a single quarter ounce of extra weight anywhere in there to balance it out. Yeah, that's perfect. So it is all balanced just basically by what is on there. Yeah. So I think, and that's a really great example of kit bashing. mm -hmm. I mean, this airplane was not designed to be electric. No. It was not designed to have retractable gear. Mm, No. And it was, you know, I guess that's it. But but those are (laughs) fairly significant changes from the design. Yeah. Yeah. Because the hatch ended up going where the fuel Mm -hmm. tank would be. And that's usually built in completely to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's, Kit bashing, I guess, can be fun. And I, I kind of realized as we sat down before we started recording this, we were talking, I've never built a kit to plants. Yeah. That, well, 
you've not built a lot of kits. No, I haven't. However, yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting tidbit of information because I've built lots of kits and have built relatively few and With deviated yeah, yeah, deviated from the plans, so. Like my duelist, although I don't know, would you consider that a kit? I no, cut those, the par- well, I cut the parts, uh, so that would still be like a kit. No, those done. are plans built. Really? Those are not kits. Yeah. So plans bashing? <laughs> I mean, like, what would you call it? Like, seriously, because that duelist is nowhere near what a duelist is supposed to no, be. No, absolutely true. I agree with you on that. I mean, if I'm you not sure it, I would call it kit bashing. If you saw it, you would still think duelist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's an interesting duelist, Mm because it's still a duelist. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, that's... I don't know. What do you guys think? Listeners, if you're out there still listening. Oh, I wondered who you were talking to. I was like, (laughs) if uh, Yeah. If you are uh, a fan of the show and you've been watching, you know, we built some duelists sometime back, and uh, Ron built an electric one. I built a... Per the plans. Per, yeah. Per the plans. It's not bashed. Um is uh, would you consider Ron's electric duels a kit bash or a plans bash? What would you consider it? I'd be interested in knowing. Yeah, because that is now a tail dragger mm-hmm. and electric with twin electric. Yeah, and pretty fast. And that was a learning curve too, mm-hmm. because you know whenever you deviate <laughs> from the plans, once how many again, wings did you build? Three. Well, it was a learning curve. I did build three <laughs> wings, but that's not, that wasn't because of what I was doing at the plans. That was because, uh, if I remember right, things I was doing wrong, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, like, yeah, I completely we, we, forgot yep. to put dihedral in the second <clears throat> one, and it was like, well, crap, you know, I need to. Oh, well, I guess I did deviate from the plans slightly. I don't have as much dihedral as the plans called out, remember? Oh, you rebel. I, yeah. <laughs> wow, look but at you But it flies go. awesome, so I, I'm not unhappy about that. Decision? Yeah, we'll call it a decision. <laughs> oh, was that an accident? <laughs> it's an accident. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't set the... Did I know that? I think we talked about it briefly, Maybe. but I, I did not set the root rib at the correct <laughs> angle. So I got half the, the dihedral that I was supposed to. But it flies awesome, so I'm not... Uh, I'm going to say I meant to do that. Well, I had zero dihedral on my second <clears throat> one. Mm-hmm. and I bet I it would fly perfect. Probably. But I knew I wanted to kind of have a little bit of correction to it. Stability, so, yeah, dynamic stability, um, sure. But the so between the two, I've done not to plans. Like I said, the hardest thing has been CG for me. Yeah, like that's a pain. My original plan with the Duelist was two batteries, like mm-hmm. two completely separate electrical systems. Mm-hmm. Added too much weight. Quickly discovered off, that that wasn't gonna because each battery was over a pound. Yeah. And there was just no way oh. to really balance it with that. And much. it actually flies really awesome on one battery. Yeah. And you get pretty good flight time out of yeah. it, I would say. I was I'm I'm happy with how yeah. it turned out. But yeah, that's uh, so that's kit bashing. Well, that was not a lot on kit bashing, but I guess that's all we can get, huh? Well, well I thought you'd have some input. I mean, like I don't know, you don't Well, like I said, I I haven't You should kit bash your next airplane then. I don't well, know. My ne- you- well, my next airplane's probably going to be a cub. I mean, how do you kit bash a cub? Clip the yeah. wing. Well, uh, the kit I have, you can build it either way. So I guess I could make it into a two-piece wing, kit bash it that way, build up the center section solid, and then put tubes in it. Oh, so that's it. supposed to be a... It's a oh. one-piecer, yeah. See, that? I think that was the biggest turnaround with making me not want to consider building, like finishing the one yeah, that I had. Yeah. Because one-piece wings are so hard to, to, to move. I mean, they're, they're just hard to fit. Like I said, the one I, I think the one I, I don't know what. When you say hard to fit, you mean hard to like fit? Like hard to fit the, in a car, sorry. Oh, okay. Hard All to right. transport. No, I got you. Because I think the one I was building was 78 inch. Mm-hmm. That's a long it's, yeah. single wing. Especially when you don't have a, a larger vehicle. Gosh, to... I know I don't. <laughs> but yeah, I could kit bash the Cub, I guess, and make a two piece wing somehow. There you go. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe that'll be my first real kit bash. You should. I'd be proud of you. You should mm-hmm. do that. Okay. Well, there we go. I might need some laser cut parts then. Hey, let me know. You have one. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Let's move on to something more lighthearted. Listener questions? What do you think? Sure. Let's have at it. All right. So let's see. Oh, here. before we do that, though, okay. I want a, a little reminder. Don't forget, we have a build night coming up. Uh, if you want to be a part of it, it's for patrons only. Um, first one, I think, like I said, is 
patrons only is good to kind of keep the numbers down a little bit. Let us learn what we're doing, yeah. see how it goes. Yeah, we're going to make mistakes, so we don't want our audience huge. <laughs> well, and it's also our way to say yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um, like we said last episode, if you've ever been a patron and yeah. are no longer a patron, if you've ever, you know, given any kind of uh, contribution to us or anything like that, and you still want to be part of it, perfect. Reach out to us. We will gladly include you. Right. Um, if you have not been a patron and you want to be part of this, go sign up now mm-hmm. because it's going to be coming on pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, end of September. Uh, shucks. Where am I going? September. Wow. End of February. Yeah. So it's um, coming up soon. Coming up soon. And we will be making or putting together our uh, Goldberg chipmunks. Mm-hmm. Man, I feel off tonight. Like I just. You've had better nights. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, probably because I'm letting you. Uh, do all the talking tonight, so. Well, yeah, because you have nothing but, to But add. I will, well, like I said, I haven't done a lot of kit bashing, so. Oh, okay. But I'll take all the questions, I guess. Awesome. All so, of them. I will sit so back. So, yeah. Uh, if you're not a patron um, and you want to be part of the build night, it just, uh, it's it's easy to do. Just get on uh, Patreon and sign up to be one of our uh, patrons. There's a link, I think, in a lot of our YouTube videos, right? I think so. Yeah, so. And there's. If you've. I don't remember where I put them. There's links They're in other places. Go to the website, rcplanelab.com. That's your home for everything RC Plane Lab. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can even get swag there, by the way. Yeah. Or order it through there. Yeah. yeah. Which I need to do another order. My sweatshirt's not looking so great. I need to get another one. You need to take care of it. I do. But I just wear it a lot. Well, anyway. So. Um, yeah. And contact us. Like, if you have questions, if you have show ideas, we, are, we look forward to hearing from our listeners. I feel great every time I see an email come through or a text message come through. I'm like, ah, excitement. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Something new to put on the show. Yeah. Yeah, something we haven't talked about yet. Okay, so the first email, uh, actually a, a series of emails from Matt, um, says, uh, hi, Ron and Tom. Tom and Ron, uh, no dispute on who's getting named first here. <laughs> uh, he says, uh, I would like a lot to thank you for your podcast. It is one of the most complete and accurate podcasts about RC planes out there. Lots of interesting ones, but you still are my favorite one. Got a lot of time on the commute to and from work. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's uh, that's really, really uh, high praise because there are some some interesting ones out there. There are. Uh, so he says, uh, most of my experience is from foam planes, uh, flight test style. And lately, my great planes Escapade 46, uh, which he's flying electric. Uh, he says he crashed pretty hard on a treetop. Uh, engine flew at least 100 meters from the crash. Uh, he says it's been repaired, uh, not so pretty, but it flies again. His question. That's all that matters, by the way. That's exactly right. It doesn't matter how pretty your plane is. If you can fly it and you enjoy it, that's what matters. That's the important part. Okay, and his question. He says uh, balsa is, oh boy, here we go. Balsa is quite expensive and hard to get here in Canada. Hey, Matt, I'm going to tell you right now, it's hard to get everywhere right now. Yeah. As we have... And it's expensive here, and too. And it's expensive here, Probably too. Probably not as much yeah. as there. Uh, he says, uh, I have access to a woodlot and different species of wood, cedar, spruce, fir, and was thinking about using a sawmill to do some super thin slices, like a veneer, of wood. Uh, he says it works well. And using those slices of wood instead of balsa to build my own DIY planes. He says, yes, I have a problem like Ron that I want to do everything myself on the CNC and with the 3D printer. Of course. Yeah, and I don't disagree. I mean, if you can do it yourself, why not? It's cheaper, usually. It is. Um, and, and it's the satisfaction of... That's the word I was going to use. I'm sorry. Just as satisfactory, more satisfying even yep. than building a kit. Uh, he says, since I have those materials handy and available, I would like to know if it would be suitable to use for building a 40-size ugly stick. He says, uh, four-stroke glow, 61 Boo. ASP, <laughs> uh, which I have no experience with glow at all, which, easy peasy, just watch our videos, right? Um, and a two-meter wingspan twin 70-millimeter EDF airliner, or should I stick to foam and fiberglass for the airliner? Thanks again, and keep entertaining us. You guys are great, Matt. And then he has a follow-on. Um uh, He says, I have another question I forgot to mention. As a side project with my dad, I received a rubber band powered balsa plane many years ago, and his kit is complete. Uh, I also found on eBay a complete kit of the same model. Uh, He says it's a Comet Aronka Chief. Oh, that's a fun airplane, actually. Uh, And my project was to build it and convert it to an electric flyer and get my dad to do it at the same time. Uh, He just started flying ready to fly Park Zone Cub. Sub two fifty gram plane. I'm not familiar with that one. I think I think is that similar yeah. to the Champ? 
Yeah. Okay. But it's so the, yeah, it's, it's a good park zone cut. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a good, nice small. Yeah, it'd be mm-hmm. a good flying airplane. Uh, obviously, is there any place where I should reinforce the plane? He's doing an electric conversion on a rubber powered airplane. And uh, have any of you guys made those kind of conversions? Greatly appreciated. Thanks, Matt. Okay. So the first question about the the alternative, we'll just call it alternative building materials. I think that's a fantastic idea, especially now. You know, who knows what balsa, you know, the availability of balsa is going to be in the future. If we can find alternative things to build with, I think that's great. And I think I replied via email to Matt, um, kind of describing what we were thinking about doing with some of the trimotor stuff, you know, with the uh, the aluminum stuff. The uh, aluminum composite panel, yeah. ACP. And then, you know, you know, using that sort of as a as a a, a, a framework and then yeah. yeah building off of that so i think if you can if you can find something that's that's uh alternative to balsa i think i think it's great my only problem is like and that, that depends on what you're talking like veneers the veneers i'm used to yeah. very flimsy v- yeah very flimsy mm-hmm. and not very strong yeah like usually they're made to get glued onto something right and they're the pretty face on something that on top is of MDF, the structure usually. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I guess if you think you can get it to where it's strong enough, like I don't know woods very well. I don't know spruce compared to oak. I, right. I just, I, I don't, don't know either. the properties. Mm-hmm. Um, like I could see building lighter with stronger material. Like yeah. if you have balsa versus like a, a piece of oak, you're not going to have to use the same size right. for the same strength. Right. Cause oak is obviously stronger. Right. But I don't know but what is it yeah, per yeah. pound is it you know, weight does it compare? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think know. it's a great I think it's a great idea and I would definitely experiment with it. Like, you know, start with something small, mm-hmm. like maybe, you know, a, a glider or something. You or know, better something. yet, just build <clears throat> a stabilizer, build something, yeah, you know, there you go. just to get practice with it and yeah. see how it works. That's actually a really good um, idea. It's hard yeah. to say, you know how the glues are going to stick to it. How, you know, I mean, I know yeah. it's wood and all that kind of stuff, but it's going to, it's just going to be different than building with balsa. Yeah. Just understand that the process may be different. Right. But, it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be harder. So I guess what would be, what would be nice to try if you can, mm-hmm. if you have balsa, build the exact same thing two ways, mm-hmm. follow the plans with your balsa stick kit, you know, whatever construction you're supposed to do right. for something simple. Like I said, rudder, elevate, it doesn't matter what. Do the exact same thing in your own style with your own materials mm-hmm. and see how that turns out. Weigh it. Break them both. You know, see yeah, how much stronger one limits. is or, yeah. or what it is. It's kind of like what we do with the Falcata stuff. I mean, exactly. it's yeah. heavier, but we can make the, uh, like the ribs and stuff thinner. thinner. Mm-hmm. So... It might end up being a little bit heavier than the the balsa is, but a heck of a lot cheaper and easier to source. Well, at the time it was so far, but right. yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, but yeah. It, it is going to be a little heavier in the long run, but yeah. depending on what you're doing, sometimes you can right. afford a little bit more right. weight. I mean, as as modelers, we use we use balsa and have used balsa for years because of its qualities. Yeah, and we've not found anything yet to match them. But right. I'm a fan of of trying something new. Uh, so yeah, especially if resources are limited. Exactly. I mean, you build with what you have. I, right. I agree with that completely. Yep. So and so for his uh, second question, uh, he says, um, you know, he's doing the the uh, electric powered conversion of a rubber band powered model, uh, and he says, uh, you know, uh, any is there any place that I should reinforce the plane? Yeah. Are those generally built strong enough? To withstand the different forces that you're going to have with RC. Exactly. No. The short answer is no. Okay. You know, they're not going to have, obviously, a firewall to mount an electric motor to. They're probably not designed to handle the speeds that an electric uh, power plant is going to impart to that airframe. So there are some areas that I would concentrate on. Obviously, the firewall and the nose where the motor is going to be mounted. That needs to be, you know, strong enough to support the power output of the motor. Well, but wouldn't and that to be transfer- fairly- wouldn't that be fairly strong, though, to withstand the pressure of the rubber band? It depends. I mean, it de- like even though you know when like I don't know if you've ever flown a rubber powered model. I have not. I did like a lo- many, many, many years ago as a kid, like the little you know Comet gliders and the Comet rubber powered ones, and the later it was the Gillows kits. I think it was. That's what they're. Yeah, my uh, kid put together a Gillows kit, but um, I've never done. But one. even even some of the contest rubber, 
yeah, even though you wind it, it gets tight. It doesn't necessarily pull so much as it just get, you know, it, it's weird how the power <laughs> is stored in a rubber band. It's more torsional than... Yeah, it's like I said. Um, yeah, okay. But it depends. Yeah, you may or may not need to reinforce the firewall. But certainly you'll have to pay some attention to the wing saddle area and probably the wing halves, you know, the the um, the root joint. Mm-hmm. Maybe add a dihedral brace in there to... Because, I mean, this airplane is probably going to fly a lot faster than it was intended. And it will have a lot more Gs designed. put on the wings. Exactly. With yeah. rubber power. Um, and then, you know, anywhere you're going to add a hinge... You know, because usually the free flight stuff is, you know, the, you, we don't have hinges. Yeah. So anywhere you're going to add a hinge for the flexing of the control surfaces, you're probably going to have to beef that up a little bit to accept the hinge. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. So, so yeah, but other than that, I mean. And you're probably going to be cutting, well, if you do ailerons, you're going to have to cut ailerons out. Right. I mean, right, because those yeah. aren't, are they usually built separately or is it? Usually, well, on the ones that I'm familiar with, it's now granted, it's been a long time, so they may have changed them uh but the, the ones I built usually didn't have ailerons. You just put them on with trim tape. You know, you just you just kind of faked it. You just put trim tape on the, in the shape of the aileron to make it look like. But the wing was not cut for, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that would be, you know, obvious if you want to put ailerons on it. That would be kit bashing. Mm-hmm. See what I did there? You did um, that. You brought, anyway, it, brought it yeah. home. Those are those are some of the areas I would concentrate on if you're going to do a, a conversion. Hopefully, uh, he's already done that and he's been flying it and his dad with his dad for a while now. Hopefully, because I, I think this email was a, a ways back. But uh, yeah, thanks for uh, writing to us, man. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next, uh, this one comes from Alan. He says, "Hey, gentlemen, my name is Alan Davidson. He sent that to us, so I'm going to." say it. I am from the great state of Utah. I'm a big fan of your show and wish you all the clearest skies. Thank you. Yep. Appreciate that. My question is about RC flying clubs. How does one find clubs to join? How do you start one up if there are none around you? Lastly, how do you get a flying field sanctioned by the AMA? I don't know if this is out of your wheelhouse, but I thought I would ask since you guys are members of your local flying club. Uh, Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. Cheers. Alan Davidson. Well, Alan, I can tell you that I've never started a club, so I don't know the ins and outs of applying for membership with the AMA, uh, but I do know that uh, there's a fairly long list of uh, requirements that have to be met before you can be an AMA-sanctioned club, uh, not the least of which is the proximity of your flying of your chosen flying field to an airport and mm-hmm. controlled airspace. So that's definitely something to think about. Um, but the AMA website is, I mean, a very... Uh, in depth, I mean, they chock have, full yeah. of information. Uh, so the information you need uh, is there. I guarantee it. And if it's not, they have an eight hundred number that you can call, and they will get those answers for you. So I, I'm not going to try to venture guess because I'm not an expert, and I don't want to steer you down the uh, the wrong path. Um, so I don't know how to become an AMA cl- uh, field, but I can tell you one quick and easy way to find an AMA club that's near you: get on the AMA website. They list all the clubs by region. They list them by state. They list them. I mean, there's several different ways you can filter your search. Yeah. You can find an AMA sanctioned club, I bet, in five minutes. Or you can find the closest one to you in like five minutes just by getting on the AMA website and searching. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's going to be close to you. Exactly. That's the That's absolutely true. Part. Yeah. Um, Especially in Utah. Utah's a big state. There's a lot of open, uh, unpopulated areas in Utah, I'm sure. So there's, there's probably going to be clubs around the the major metropolitan areas, maybe a few cities here and there, but I imagine if you're out in the sticks, you'll be driving. Which that's some the distance. place to be anyway. I mean, <laughs> Ron says that because that's where he lives. I like being in the country, um, <laughs> but good luck. I mean, like that is a, a great thing to do is trying to get more people flying, more yeah. fields, you know, more AMA sanctioned events going on and all that. That's yeah. that's what you want to see more people doing this. Yep. So. And not and not that I want to take any business away from the AMA. You can certainly have a club. <clears throat> excuse me, start a club on your own and not be an AMA sanctioned club. There's, there's, there's plenty of those out there still. Yeah. Um, and all that takes is a group of guys, like-minded guys and girls that like flying models and, uh, and you get together once in a while and you find a place to rent slash buy slash whatever, or a place that uh, maybe is friendly to RC airplanes and let you fly there for free. I mean, it just takes a, a few like-minded people getting together to say, Hey, let's do this. And it, it just weird. It just happens. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what Utah is like, but I know there's a lot of open area out there. But like it, for where we are, if we were friends with a farmer that had no problem with us putting a field in, we 
are more than legal <laughs> to fly on private property as long yep. as we're following all the FAA stuff. Yep. Exactly I mean, it's, right. it's a good idea to be a member of the AMA and to be chartered Absolutely. and all that kind of yep. stuff. I'm not saying don't do that right. um, because there is a lot of benefits to it, Sure, um, most of which is just something you're only going to get through them. Yep. Um, the, you know, one of the biggest things is lobbying for the hobby. You know, yep. they do a great job on, on all that kind of stuff, too, yep. with our dues. Yep. So that's and because the AMA to. does such a, a good job at at regulating and, and um, lobbying for us at, in Congress, it doesn't, you know, we don't have to be experts at all of that because the AMA, you know, does that. Yeah. So, um, Alan, thanks for, thanks for writing to us. Uh, it is certainly out of my wheelhouse, you know, the, the AMA uh, specifics about starting a club and stuff, but hopefully you can find an AMA club near you. It's mm-hmm. not too far of a drive and uh, enjoy this great hobby with other like-minded folks. Yeah. Let us know how it goes. Yep. Okay, so next, this one will be a question for Ron. This comes from Stan. He says, <clears throat> I have a Landers Technology EDF, um, electronic or electric ductile fan, in case anybody doesn't know that, uh, new that was purchased some years ago. Uh, KV3000, serial number L00A15853. I'm not sure if I needed to say that, but there it is. It's in the email. Uh, how can I know what size battery should be used with it? Three cell, four cell, six cell, or other? Thank you, Stan Johns. So, um, bad news on that one. That's not an easy thing to find out. If you know what, I mean, obviously, you know, serial number, you know who made it and all that, reach out to the manufacturer. Um, most of these reputable manufacturers are going to have a way to contact them and will have information on, on what it, uh, what their product needs. You don't, I mean, you don't want to throw in like a 6S battery and then burn it up because, oh, it seemed like it should have done it. You you just want to be careful and follow what they say. There's, that's the downfall with electrics is if it's not labeled, you really don't know. Yeah. Um, and it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the learning curves right. with electrics. You just got like kind maybe of maybe out. maybe if we had a little bit more information, like like how much does the plane weigh? What type of flying does it is it designed to Not do? Necessarily. And oh, ED, really? EDFs okay. pull a lot of power anyway. <clears throat> oh, that's true. They do. You know, high revving, high yeah, yeah. RPM. Okay. Um, and it just. Well, Stan, if you can, uh, reach out to the manufacturer. If the manufacturer is not available or, or not around anymore, which is a common tale. Um, I think Landers technology is still okay. a thing. Perfect. Well, if they are, yeah, reach out to them. And if not, another resource you can use are some of the um, RC forums, like uh, RC Groups, uh, RC Universe, if it's still, I think it's still going. I haven't checked my account in a while. But anyway, um, <laughs> chances are there's a thread somewhere on that uh, on the uh, user forums that uh, will probably cover that question in detail. So, uh, Stan, thanks for contacting us. Appreciate the uh, appreciate the um, the ask message. The message. Thank you. <laughs> the question. Yeah, COVID brain. I'm telling you, it's real. <laughs> All right. So the next one comes from Mark. He says, hello, Ron and Tom. Ron was first. Excellent and informative podcast. You discussed briefly on converting a weed whacker engine for RC planes. Could you discuss the process on how to do it? Uh, reducing weight, what electronics to buy, and how to install you know, on the engine. Uh, type of engines that work better than others. Um, manufacturers who make the electronics. Uh, thanks, Mark. Absolutely, I can talk about that a little bit. And I'll try to make it short. Um, basically... You find a, a, a weed whacker or a chainsaw or some sort of small implement engine that uh, you want to use. You cut everything off of it that isn't necessary to fly. Okay, so if you're going to stick with the magneto ignition that comes stock on most of them, cut everything off that isn't magneto ignition or necessary for flying it. Um, you know, Why? heat shields, things like. Well, because you want it to be light. Well, no, no, no. That, oh. Why would you switch to electronic ignition over the magneto? Okay, so I was going to get to that, but okay, never mind. Then I'll sit back and you just go. <laughs> you go through your thing, and if there's something you don't cover, um, I'll, I'll come so back. So anyway, yeah, cut everything off because you know weight is a premium, and there's a lot of uh, cast in stuff on the crankcases of these engines that that we don't need. You know, like uh, 
ductwork for cooling because these things are usually housed in a fairly tight housing. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need all that because we're putting them in a, on you know a big open nose with cooling. You know, th- we yeah, don't need all air that stuff. coming yeah. in with a propeller in front. So, of it. So um, yeah, cut everything off of it that isn't necessary for flying it. And if you're gonna, like I said, if you're gonna keep the magneto ignition, obviously keep all the mounting for the co- pickup coil and the and the flywheel and all that kind of stuff. Um, some things I've done with the uh, with magneto ignition i've cut the flywheel down to make it a little bit lighter because weight you know we're always trying to save weight um as long as you keep you know you don't need the cooling fins on there right because we're not we're not moving cooling air because air is going to be moving for us so i usually i've chucked them in a lathe before and cut the fins down to because all you really need on that flywheel is that magnetic uh that's embed or that magnet that's embedded into the housing of the flywheel. That's all you really need that for. Uh, and it's a lot of weight spinning. So for that reason, I like to f- convert mine to electronic ignition and CH ignitions. That's my go-to for, for anything ignition related because they make, you'd be surprised they make, or they used to make kits for just about every type of weed whacker, chainsaw, <laughs> whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they make other parts too, like for example, prop hubs. Because uh, when you get rid of that that big, heavy, cast aluminum flywheel, um, you know, you're going to have, usually, you know, you get rid of the potential mounting point for your propeller. So you're going to need a prop hub and things like that. So CH Ignitions does that. If you don't want to buy stuff, if you're handy and you're good with a, a metalworking lathe, um, it's really super easy to make your own prop hubs. That's what I did on all of mine. I uh, happened to work in a machine shop at the time. So I made my own prop hubs. I made my own mounts for the for the pickup coil. Or actually, it's a Hall Effect sensor, which actually is a small magnet. You just you know, counterbore a hole into your prop hub and glue the magnet in there and you're done. And then you can mount your, uh, uh, usually it's a, uh, the, the pickup sensor is, uh, is mounted on a, a plastic tab with elongated holes that's already round. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of mounts to the nub of the crankcase where the crankshaft comes out. Two small holes you drill. It's, it's super easy to do. You can even do it with a, a hose clamp. I've seen it done that way too. But anyway, CH Ignitions, um, that's the place to go to for conversions. If, like the other question, part of his question was, um, type of engines that work better than others. Um, I've had good luck with Poulan. I, I don't know who makes, I think it's Kiritz. I think that's who makes their engines. They seem to run really good. Uh, Ryobi is another, uh, common conversion. I've converted one of those. I think Ron, you have it now. Mm-hmm. Um, 30 CC. Yeah. Um, so with a little, with a little, you know, ingenuity if you if you want to do it yourself you certainly can uh, but you you know it takes you know if you're going to do the electronic ignition conversion you might want to if you're not going to buy the parts to do it then you know you have to be kind of handy with a lathe but it's really not rocket science and this this topic is covered in depth at rc groups on the there's actually i believe a, an entire now forum just for oh really yeah for this so well you didn't answer my question though oh okay. the the why would you go electronic ignition over that, I understand the weight thing, mm-hmm. but also if you went with magneto, is there any uh, any more of an issue with feedback? It's not in my experience because the magneto ignition they had they already have usually shielded high tension leads, um, which you get with electronic ignition also. So I've never now granted I've not had a lot of it because I usually don't keep the magneto, but ones that I've seen convert like Dave Taylor flies, I believe a couple of airplanes with with magneto and he's never had issues and he used to fly those on 72 megahertz and no issues at all. So it seems like that would be simpler to not have to worry about a battery and all that. It kind is of stuff for it. The, the problem. So, so one of the advantages you get, and I could talk about this for a while, but I won't, but one of the advantages you well, get from electronic we'll ignition see. is customizable spark curves, right? To make the airplane easier to start or to make the engine easier to start. You know, if the if the if the system is reading below a certain RPM range, I think it's like twenty two hundred or whatever it is, it advances the spark to make it easier to start. And then when it once the engine is running, it gets past that, then it goes into a whole different, uh, you know, spark curve and advance and all that. So that's one advantage you get from electronics. It does all that kind of stuff to make the airplane or to make the engine easier to handle. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, I guess I can see that. So that's that's another advantage. And the, the one of the other is, is like I said, it's all that weight. Yes, the the 
it's simpler in operation, you know, the Magneto. Um, but it comes at a cost. But it comes at a cost, yeah. right? And they are kind of harder to start because, you know, you really, really, I mean, they're designed to be pull started, so you're getting them up to a pretty good RPM. And more than one revolution to get it to go. Exactly. Yeah. So usually, you know, a Magneto-equipped uh, engine requires an electric starter, which, as you know, I'm not, not a fan not of. A but fan I've been of using more and more lately <laughs> because it's cold and they're hard to start. So, um, But that's... If if I I might have a couple old engines and out in the shop, is that something we should do or could do sometime? Like I wouldn't mind seeing how that's actually done, converting one over. Oh, do a conversion? Yeah, I don't have access to that machine shop anymore, so. Well, I have we, a, I have, have a metal lathe. What do you need for it? Oh well, just. I mean, you've seen that pre- one out in my yeah, shop, right? Pre- preferably some high speed steel cutting bits or, or, or carbide would be even better. Uh, cutting bits and you know tool holders and the tool rest and I've got all that cross feed cross slide and all that kind of stuff. I've got yeah. all that. Oh well, if you've got all that, all we need all is material. The only thing I don't have is the the end tail stock. Yeah. Can mm. we do it without that? Shorter Maybe. shorter pieces. Yeah, we could absolutely. Then we should try that sometime. I think that'd be fun. Okay. We'll Put it on that. our list of things to do in the next ten years. There you go. <laughs> All right. All right. Next. Well, Mark, that uh, hopefully that answers uh, a couple of the questions. But yeah, do it. Like, there's, there, I mean, the, the topic is covered. Like I said, in depth at our RC groups, which is one of my favorite hangouts. So, uh, thanks, Mark, for reaching out to us. Okay, uh, Slade writes to us. Uh, Slade says, "Hey, can you give me some tips on landing? Uh, this is a challenge for me." Uh, Slade, you're not the only one. It's a challenge for a lot of people. <laughs> it was a challenge for me for me for many years. Yeah. Um, Slate says, uh, thank you for the podcast. And Tom, I love nitro planes too. Awesome. Another <laughs> nitro one. Uh, plane I have is a Cadet Mark II, and it has modified control surfaces. Uh, I take a lot of your tips with me and apply them to where I fly. I'm new, and I'm 12 years old. Thank you, Slade. Well, Slade, that's good to hear. Uh, I'm glad you uh, listen to our tips and apply them to where you fly. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, like, landing is... Landing is the thing that separates a good pilot from a great pilot. You can always see how well somebody can fly by how well they land. That's you, true. Do you agree? That's yeah. It is I, I difficult. So. It is very difficult to do. It is probably one of the more technical things in a flight. Well, landing is not difficult to do. The airplane's going to land one well, way or the other. Landing successful nicely. landings uh, where <laughs> right. you can take off again. Right. Um and so it's one of the things where you just practice, practice, yes. practice. Yep. I mean, yep. I've said it before. One of my favorite things to do when I go to the field is take off, fly around once, touch and go. Yeah. Fly around again, touch yep. and go. I mean, just that repetitive yep. approach, repetitive everything. Yeah, and eventually you get really good at it. You do. I mean, you know, add that. So, so yeah, so tips on landing, um, practice. I mean, that's the biggest tip I can provide and uh, – you know, preferably you have a large space to land on. Yeah. And challenge yourself by trying to make your available space smaller. Does that make sense? Like try to land yeah. in the same spot if you can over and over. And eventually you'll, you know, you'll develop kind of a, a relationship with the airplane that you're flying. You'll get become familiar with its characteristics and whether it needs right rudder on take, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, the biggest tip I can offer would be practice and hopefully uh, get yourself an area large enough to allow you room for mistakes. Yeah, I mean, it's practice in the air, slowing down. It's kind of see how the yeah. airplane gets when you have to apply a little bit of uh, mm-hmm. elevator to it to kind of get it on the edge, not to where it's going to stall, but on the edge. I mean, that's... Well, I can tell you that the Cadet Mark II that uh, Slade is flying, very forgiving airplane. Uh, okay. That's a great, great... Tra- has trained hundreds, if not thousands of pilots. Um, and that airplane does... It has really nice stall characteristics. It warns you. Like, it it doesn't really stall and snap and do anything right. It just sort of mushes. So even oh, if okay. you do happen to get a little bit slow, it's a very forgiving airplane. And the yeah. landing gear is nice and cushy, too, so it takes oh, good. a lot of abuse. But, uh, yeah, exactly what you said. Yep, try to, try to learn the behavior of that airplane in the air, uh, you know, before you before you try to land it. But uh, And then fly it to the ground. Yep, yep. Like, Don't, yep. you are in control until all of the wheels are safely on the ground. Exactly right. And don't take it for granted that, well, I'm a foot off the ground, I'm fine. Yep, I can give up. Nope. Yeah. It's, That's usually when most mm-hmm, landing yeah, I mean, accidents it, it happen. It is, and it's, it's so difficult <clears throat> to not get the bounce. I mean, 
you know, depends on the airplane, but yeah. Well, but you see a lot of people to where they, it's like, hey, decent landing. And then it's one little porpoise, two little <laughs> porpoise. I mean, it looks like a dolphin coming out of the water. And that's yep. just getting used to the airplane, getting used to its characteristics, seeing how it lands, and getting that speed down is so important but difficult. Mm-hmm. So yep. practice, practice, practice. I mean, yeah. I hate just to say that. Well, that's it. But yeah. So Slade, thanks for writing to us. The biggest tip we can offer is practice. And it's fun, right? <laughs> it so is. So practice makes perfect. All right. Next uh, comes from Mort. Mort says, hello, Ron. I'm Mort, age 15, a beginner at flying RC planes. Started last week uh, when Mort wrote this. Welcome so awesome. to the hobby. Uh, I found your podcast and it's wonderfully helpful. Finally signed up for the mailing list, which is great. Nice. We think that's great also. Uh-huh. Wondering if you have any tips on flying these light foam beginner planes in the wind. Thanks. Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, if you just started flying, no wind is your friend. Yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would echo that sentiment. Uh, these light foam airplanes don't generally handle wind very well anyway. So if you're new to flying, I would try to pick a pick a day that's uh, calmer. Yeah, and I don't know what kind of airplane he's talking about. I don't know if it's a small foamy with AS3X. I don't know oh, if right. it's just like a yeah. profile-type airplane. Um, that makes a difference, too. Obviously, sure. AS3X makes it a little bit more forgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the one of the hardest things to accept about this hobby is that not every day is a flight day, even right. though you want it to be. Um, Absolutely so true. Patience, and mm-hmm. I found too. Normally, if it's a windy day, when dusk is kind of upon you, mm-hmm. uh, the wind dies down quite a bit. It does. So you might have enough time to get a single flight in mm-hmm. before it gets too dark. But that—that's patience. Yep. Um, is probably the best thing I I can say until you get used to it. Once you've been flying for a while, and you don't think about your next move, like once it becomes habit for you. Um, and you know, that's kind of the same with, with Slade, with the landing thing. Once it becomes habit, right? then you don't have to worry as much about what you're doing and you can go out when it's a little bit windier. Yep. That's just, yep. but if you have to fly in the wind, um, point it in the wind yeah, and land, and land into, into the, the wind. wind. Yeah. Yep. You want, you want the wind in the airplane's face, if that makes sense yeah. for takeoff and landing. But the, because if not, what happens? If you it, have a tailwind, you lose your lift. Well, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, if he just started flying, probably doesn't know that. He probably doesn't know that. So there you go. If you have a tailwind, then that breeze comes from behind you, and all the lift that your plane has, you're going to lose it. Exactly. So fly into the wind um, and try and stay out of the wind as much as possible until you're used to it. That would be preferable. But when it is windy, sometimes it's fun to see if you can fly backwards. I think we've all done that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's the last one for this time. Yep. Anything else you want to talk about? Nope. Me neither. Okay, then. Let's get out of here Let's for call today. it a night. Everybody, thank you for listening. Yes, thanks for listening. Have a wonderful that. evening. Good night. Good night. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.